That usually takes about two weeks, planning all that out. Actually building it, three to five days. So after that point, when you put the meat on the bones, then it becomes, okay, how do we roll this out and launch it so that people know what's going on, what's going on, what's going on? 90% conversational marketing automation discussion. Welcome to the Marketing Automation Discussion. I'm your host, Alex Glenn. And on this episode, we go upstream. If you are someone that is interested in what it takes to build out a working, stable, fast, enterprise-level tech stack, then this is the episode for you. It's not something we talk a lot about on this show, but we're going to talk about tools like Marketo. We're going to talk about Salesforce. We're going to talk about integrations with Informatica, what it takes to build out those stacks, what are the components involved, what are the timeframes involved, what are the costs? We talk about warming up IP addresses. We talk about data cleansing. We talk about what it takes to operate a tech stack at that level. It's turned out to be one of the most insightful episodes I've ever been a part of. And Jessica is a wealth of information in this field. So listen to the whole episode. It starts off a little slow, but once we get into our rhythm, Jessica and I uncover a lot of information that you and your team can use to go ahead and make sure your enterprise level tech stack has everything that you need and is fast and stable. So please welcome Jessica Manasian. Again, I reached out to Jessica. She is the professional at marketing automation on the enterprise level, and she is a Marketo partner, and she is the chief automation architect over at Magnetic Hype in Los Angeles. So again, here's Jessica, and Jessica, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, say a few words. Well, thank you, Alex. That was really perfect. So my name is Jessica Manasian. I'm CEO of Magnetic Hype. We are a marketing automation agency, and our bread and butter really is Marketo and Salesforce. So I'm excited to talk today. We have some really cool content. We've been chatting a little bit over the past two weeks, actually. You put together some awesome stuff, so I'm excited to share that. But let's go ahead and uh, dive in at the higher level. Let's talk about marketing automation for enterprise and what really separates an enterprise system from some of the SMB systems that I have more experience working with. It's definitely a question that we get a lot in terms of what is enterprise versus non-enterprise. And the best way to describe an enterprise addition platform is how much data and how many contacts do you want to put into it eventually down the road. So an enterprise addition is going to give you a lot more bells and whistles in terms of features and benefits. And every software has their own enterprise addition. But ultimately, it's really where do you want to meet your team and where are you going with your automation journey? That would lend itself to having more of an enterprise addition. One of the biggest issues and one of the biggest pain points is the speed of your stack. So once you do get to this level and you're dealing with a large tech stack with a lot of data flowing in and out, speed is one of the main concerns. So let's talk about that. So if hypothetically I'm one of your clients and I come to you with latency issues, first, what does that mean? What are the main things that could cause latency issues? And then how do you approach 
maybe a, a, a tech stack audit. Yeah, that's great. I'll, I'll break it down in, in three ways that we just talked about. So what does latency look like? What does a lag look like? When a client talks to us, they're usually talking about what they're seeing in their platforms. Uh, leads are not syncing properly. There seems to be a really big lag when I'm pulling reports. Uh, I can't get my campaigns to fire. There's a 16-hour difference between when I do one thing and when I'm expecting that thing to happen. So these lags are actually very visual inside of someone's software. That's latency. That's, that's a backlog. That's what an engineer would call it, is a backlog. So the next step is how do you get something to go faster? The speed of things, and, and we're all about speed here. So when we talk about speed, we usually talk about let's focus on three areas. The setup of your platforms. Setup is key to getting things to run faster. Always consult an agency when setting up any platform. I know you think you can do it on your own, but you need the right resources. So setup is number one. Number two is the maintenance of your software. Every platform can run faster if you're maintaining it better. And that's really just setting it up with best practice standards. And you can either Google those, you can get an agency to help, a vendor to help, but you want to maintain it properly. The third thing is your integrations. We hear a lot of issues with integrations because, well, it's software talking to software. So there's a lot of things that can go wrong. So you want to make sure your integrations are pushing people and data through at a fast speed. And lastly, what I would recommend anyone doing op optimization reviews of their platforms is to look at Splunk. Now, Splunk is an optimization software that you key in your platform that you're using, and it can hook up to the back end of, the, of your software through an API call, and it will pull an audit of how quickly things are running. So I would always recommend Splunk for when you're doing an audit of your software. What's really interesting and top of mind right now for me is API integrations and some of the options, really. We don't have to go too deep into the tech side of things. But let's talk about on the setup side, the differences between using some of the natively integrated tools and then going non-native and what you've seen pros, cons around those integrations. Because a big challenge for users of software is the non-native partners and whether to go with what you know is the best option for that solution, but it happens to be a non-native partner. Uh, and in those cases, you have to develop custom integrations or you go with a white label solution or a third party. And I assume those cause more latency than uh, a native partner. So let's talk about that on the integration side, what you've seen and what you recommend. Okay, great. The best way to talk about an integration is to talk about the time it takes to sync data. So with the native, and I'm just going to put a blanket statement out and, and I know I'm going to have engineers saying that it's not okay to do, but let's just put it out there that this is just high level integration talk. With a native integration, it's every single five minutes that data is synced, every five minutes. With a non-native integration, a sync could take anywhere from five to 15 to 24 hours, depending on the API call. But let me also explain a little bit more about the native integrations because I think there are some misconceptions about that five-minute sync. So the sync starts 
after the last sync ended. So let's take Salesforce, for example. Salesforce is integrated with another platform. Salesforce will send records over every five minutes, but let's say that sync took 45 minutes to complete. The next five minute sync won't happen after that 45 minutes. So you can see that latency issues can cause a lot of backlog, especially if you don't have a very fast native sync happening. And non-native syncs are even worse sometimes. That can cause a lot of issues. Got it. So the risks on uh, deciding to go with that third-party partner that's not natively rated, it doesn't have that out-of-box sync. You know, it doesn't have the, the warm, fuzzy feel. <laughs> There's a lot more that can go wrong with a non-native um, integration. Either you have to have someone create a custom API call, or you can use a service called Zapier, which I, I use a lot for my APIs. But Zapier has a lot of connectors out of the box that can help somebody as well. But even so, there's a lot that can go wrong, a lot that can go wrong with non-native. Yeah. And uh, in the SMB space, in the startup world, you see a lot of kind of disparate systems where there's uh, something's connected natively, but then over here you have custom built API that the engineering team put together to house and, and manipulate data and construct data that comes from this yes. platform. And then it gets pushed over to that platform. And then that platform, <laughs> use some other tool, use an app here. It just creates. Oh, yeah. It can get like spaghetti out there it, really easily, quickly. Like a bowl of spaghetti, right? So imagine cooked spaghetti. You've got your cooked spaghetti as your disparate system uh, in the SMB space. Then when you move, Upstream, I imagine the way I see these stacks, most of the time, the stacks that I've worked in at the enterprise level, they are very, very native. They go with the, the biggest players in the space and they care less about the features and uh, how you know ahead of the curve that platform is in terms of one of the feature benefits. And they care more about the native aspect of it and making sure the system is very clean, making sure the system is very fast and making sure the system is solid. They're tried and true. They're not going anywhere. It's not like one day this integration is going to break. They go out of business. These have been around for a long time, like you said. So these are these are platforms that we stand behind. Got it. And I have some interest around the setup time. So when I look at a new build in uh, in the SMB space in general, the build time for me is somewhere between um, you know five days and ten days. Uh, if you do use third parties, if you build out the integrations yourself, um, it could be a little bit longer. But if they're native and you may use a white label third party integration software, it could be, uh, you know, it's less than a month. What is the time to build out, uh, let's just say, an enterprise level stack that includes marketing automation, obviously? Um, maybe they're swapping CRMs and maybe they're adding some new bell or whistle like, you know, a Zendesk or a PFL or Twilio or something. What would, what would be a typical time frame to actually start to finish, build out a new stack? So I, I love your five-day build. I think that's awesome. And, and that's the way it should be. It should be five to 10 days. But an average build for any kind of enterprise or non-enterprise usually takes anywhere from 90 to 180 days. That is an average launch date for any kind of software that you're building with additional integrations. And it's not that it takes that long to actually build it. Like you said, it's five to 10 days to get everything set up. It's more of the strategy of setup. And then it, it all lends itself to reporting, 
revenue, and speed. It takes that long to set things up because what you're building for is a future. You're not just setting it up today and it's going to run today. You want to set it up for a long time. So there's a lot of decisions that have to be made by upper level management, by sales, by marketing, by HR, by finance that all lend itself into those 90 to 180 days. That's the average launch time for any of the softwares that we've talked about today. Got it. And I am going to present a hypothetical. So I love hypotheticals. I love kind of bringing it back to reality. So, you know, let's just say you and I engaged and we have a company that's um, that's just raised a large round of funding. We are getting off of our SMB space tech stack and we want to become enterprise ready and we want to build out a new stack. If I engaged with you and we, we had our first couple conversations, can you walk me through without going into too deep of detail, what the timeline looks like from first call all the way through a ready to go build. Maybe not everybody's trained up, but at least the system's ready to take on data and take on traffic and everything like that. So what does that timeline look like? What are the main steps? How long do those take? In a perfect world, the timeline would be your first seven days, your first week, you are doing all of the technical setup of the software. You're getting your DNS certificates, you are whitelisting, you are picking out your email inboxes that are going to be used for when you send emails for sales or marketing. It's your technical side. It's the back end stuff that no one likes to do, but you have to do. So in the first seven days, that's a perfect timeline for that. After that point, then you start building in kind of the meat on the bones. That that has to do with uh, scoring models, with revenue models, with uh, lead routing models. That's a huge component to integrations as well. And setup is how are you going to get your leads from one place to the other with all the information that they need for sales to make a decision. So that usually takes about two weeks, planning all that out. Actually building it, three to five days. So after that point, when you put the meat on the bones, then it becomes, okay, how do we roll this out and launch it so that people know what's going on? Not that they're fully trained, just that uh, they're going to get inundated with a lot of new new features and new things they've never done before. How do we let everyone know this is going to happen? And I, re- I recommend at least a week of letting your internal team, the marketing of marketing, know you're doing something new. So in in total, about a month. Yeah, you mentioned some very important aspects of that. And I'm going to retract my previous statement of five days because once, (laughs) let's just say there are two different scenarios. Uh, The scenario that I was referring to is if we were swapping out CRMA for CRMB and marketing automation tool A for marketing automation tool B, Uh, And then maybe a typical chat software like Intercom or something is in there too. The whole system can be put together and connected in a very short period of time. The most frustrating part is somebody will say, this is really easy to set up and you'll be up and running very quickly. But the truth of the matter is every company does things a little bit differently and their setup is going to look different as well. So it could take, it could take double than what they thought. I mean, it's so interesting to me when I see the way you've broken it up and everyone, if you aren't already, head to the marketplace and we'll have a link in the show notes, but there is a nice PDF uh, that Jessica's put together that shows Fortune 50 to 100 companies, then Fortune 500, then Enterprise, uh, which is anyone above 1,000 employees or or SMB, which is below 1,000 employees. 
of what the tech stacks look like. So it's super interesting when you get up to the Fortune 50, when you start seeing all of the layered on technology that they use, multiple different providers just for the data cleansing side of things, BI reporting multiple providers there. Very interesting. And I'm a little bit of a geek when it comes to tech stacks. So it's always fun for me to see new ones. So thank you for putting that together. Let's talk about the the final thing here, this marketing stack that, um, that you recommend. So now that you have all your tools, mm-hmm. the ideal stack that you mentioned here, can you mention each one of those tools and what they do? And that'll be for the uh, marketing automation geeks like us out there. I'm a marketing automation geek too. So what do we do? Most of our clients are on Marketo and we do have a few that are not, but let's just talk about Marketo as a central hub. So from Marketo, I've chosen a few integrations that I think are great and perfect for a marketing stack. Your BI reporting tools, you can either go with Domo or Visible. Um, Either one is great. It just depends on exactly who and which team you're trying to provide dashboards for. Ringlead as a deduplication. Informatica as data cleanse. We talked about them. Salesforce is your CRM. Absolutely hands down. Love Salesforce. Can't talk highly enough about Salesforce. There's a lot of CRM options, but Salesforce hands down is the best. For your events, like for trade shows and seminars, or what I heard a client say was a Deminar, which is a seminar and a demo combined. Deminar. It's like a demi boot. I loved it. Anyway, for anything like that, you use Cvent for webinars, which is a great way of generating leads. On24 is the tool you'll want to use. We talked about Zendesk for support. Reachforce, we didn't talk about them too much, but they're for form optimization. So when someone comes to your website, you want to make sure that they're not scared away by your form because you won't get new people. So Reachforce helps you do that. Translations was CloudWords, uh, content management was Kapos. Didn't talk too much about that, but a lot of high, huge Fortune 50, 100 companies use Kapos for all their content. And lastly, PFL for direct mail. A lot of big companies do direct mail. It's kind of nice to see direct mail maybe coming back in style just because we're so inundated with email and, and texting and things like that. It's, it's kind of nice to receive a beautiful printed marketing. So PFL is the one I would choose. They're the best. And uh, Twilo for SMS, which I've seen a lot of companies use. So that's my perfect stack. <laughs> Did I just blow your mind? There's so many, so many providers. I just, those are the best that, that I've worked with. <laughs> and then the outside data warehouses. Um, I mean, that's obviously uh, dependent on a number of things. But is there anything new and exciting in the data warehousing side of things that you want to mention? Uh, Not really. A lot of people do have data warehouses and ultimately they have to build some kind of an API integration to get it back into their CRM or automation tool. So a data warehouse is just a, a place where you house your data. Either you use it for data cleansing or you use it just because you want historical data. And in any kind of CRM and automation tool, data is refreshed quite a bit. So you're not going to get 10 years back, right? It's it's fresh data. So data warehouse is a good step if you want to keep historical data. Yeah. And it's kind of almost like your repository that sits off on its own. Data gets cleansed before entering into that repository and it's your source of truth. And if, um, if you haven't dealt with this yet, I mean, I've been in a number of situations where the marketing automation tool that you choose may not give you and may not push that data automatically to whatever repository you want, whether it's 
BigQuery, AWS, whatever. But that's important because some tools, depending on who you work with, will try to own your data because they feel like that gives them more control over the customers. It gives them more control over their customers. And if you want to leave that provider, it makes it very difficult. You got to make sure to own the source of truth for your clean data. So definitely have that set up. And if we're talking to enterprise yeah. level customers, it's not even something that they think about because it's been done and is, is taken care of. But as you kind of trans, as you start, and I'm dealing with more startups now, a situation where you want to make sure that that's in place from the get go. Oh yeah, absolutely. And just to the story, you know, you said, something really important you said it's important that you have control over your data and that is just so important i'm working with a very large client and they have their data with a data warehouse provider what we'd like to do is get some kind of unique identifier for their data that's how you talk to people right i mean it's pretty simple stuff but their data warehouse said well to get you that unique identifier attached to your data it's going to cost you money and i think a lot of people get in these situations where someone else has a leash on their data and i, I don't like situations like that so i just want to say thank you so much for bringing that up because that happens so so often, always know who has your data and what the fine print is. Yeah, and I'll give a forewarning too. It's uh, the the transfer and the piping of your data system. Um, there are providers out there that have uh, created names for themselves, bad names for themselves for trying to create a stranglehold of the data highway system, if you will, and getting clients into a system where they may be free for the first year, or they may be very inexpensive when you start out. But then once you get past that time frame, that entry level time frame, or you move up to the next tier, they go from less than a couple hundred dollars a month to hundred grand a year. And this goes back to the main theme here is make sure you're in control of your data, make sure there is that last resort, that source of truth, and make sure that it is being updated automatically from whatever's happening in your CRM plus whatever those other data sources are. And that brings me to that piping question. So once this is all kind of set up, are there recommendations on the piping side of things? So your segment.ios, your funnel.ios, what are the enterprise level clients using to kind of push and pull that data in and out of these systems between the repository, CRM, et cetera? I mean, what have you seen? So the, the first question we ask is how fast do you want this data? How quickly do you want it in your system? Do you want it every five minutes? Do you want it 15 minutes? Can you wait 24 hours? And then that's going to help us recommend a connection. And most likely with a data warehouse and outside repository, you're going to need some kind of a connector or REST API call. And that could be a push lead. It could be a connector, a custom REST API, custom REST API call. Sorry, that was hard to say. <laughs> and so it just depends on how fast you want the data inside your systems. So it's typically a custom connector. Yeah, it's a custom connector. That's what I've seen most often. Mm -hmm. That makes sense because in my experience, it's the opposite. They rely on a third party to do the piping, but then they get themselves into a lot of trouble as they scale and that third party becomes very expensive. It does. And autonomy is so important when you are building your marketing stack. That's what we're all working towards is giving the company autonomy. I mean, I know when I'm working with clients or my team's working with clients, one day they might not need us. And that's a good thing because we want these platforms to function as part of their team, not that they have to 
you know, dole out more money to make things happen. That would be, that's the worst feeling for anyone. So you're right. I mean, eventually it is having the most autonomy possible as possible. I love it. And that just reminded me, we did have an original theme to this uh, podcast, but maybe we have to do another one because we went, we I would went love totally that different direction. We covered a lot. We, we I think we got we some did. really awesome information, but this, this was more of a general, an idealistic, autonomous, fast marketing stack for enterprise and uh, what the components of that are. Uh, how it's used, what to think about. We have a lot of good information around that, how to connect it all. Really good insight for those of you who are crossing that threshold from an SMB to an enterprise, what you have to think about, what you have to do, uh, what that looks like on a time frame side of things, what that looks like on a setup side of things. Talk about DNS, talk about white label IPs, and uh, we'll have to talk more about speed. And I, I have someone else that I think you should connect with. We yeah, can so out for eight hours guys over up. beers or something, um, right? <laughs> I think we covered just about everything. And I've been, uh, I've abused your time today. We're at about 70 minutes. So you've been very gracious with your time and it's been super valuable. So anything you want to leave the people with as we wrap this up, um, where to find you, how to connect with you, how to get involved with you, what can they do? There's a lot of ways to get in contact with our team. Either you can go to our website, magnetichype.com. You can find me or my team on LinkedIn, um, or you can just contact Alex and <laughs> I'm sure he'll pass you along. So there's lots of ways to do that. Yeah, and we'll publish the link to your website. I'll probably put it in your LinkedIn uh, URL in there as well so people can connect with you. Um, and, and and yeah, learn more about enterprise level marketing automation and what it looks like. I mean, this has been new for the podcast. I'm really excited to see how people people enjoy this and what they what they like about it. So thank you so much for your time, Jessica. And until, awesome. Yes. Yeah. Until next time, let's uh, let's chat offline. All right. Thank you so much, Alex. And thanks so much, everyone. I'll talk to everyone soon. <laughs> the marketing automation discussion.